0: my name is Janice B. Gordon and this is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 43 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert recommended by LinkedIn Sales as one of 15 innovating sales influencers to follow. In today's episode of Scale Your sales podcast, my guest rode for 49 days across the Atlantic. He is a serial sales leader and uh, has grown and exited uh, to uh, tech companies so it's a really interesting uh, conversation talking to him about his founding experience but particularly when he exited and the the kind of remorse you have and having to find yourself um again after that and it's an experience that a lot of founders and people that exit companies have so you you're, you're going to find this really interesting My next guest is a sales expert, adventurer and author. He is the CEO and founder of a sales enablement business called Sales Enabler. With a background in sales and business growth, he's grown and sold two technological companies. Outside of work, he is equally driven, completed multi-endurance events, including Ironman, swam the English Channel, most recently rode across the Atlantic Ocean. Please welcome to Scale Sales podcast, Matt Garman.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, the first question I have for you, Matt, is what makes you such an action man?
1: Uh, I, I'm an action man. That sounds a bit grand. I've always been uh, I've always been a huge fan of adventure. I've always been a huge fan of challenging myself, whether that's business or, or personal um so yeah I think it's I think it's it's one of those things I find it very difficult to switch off and and kind of do one with more and one the other I try to try to give it all all barrels everything
0: yeah yeah well you certainly um did that you know in rowing a boat over 20 29 days across the Atlantic so what were the biggest lessons for you that you learned about yourself in doing that
1: the fir- if, I'm just sorry, I don't want to be correct. 49 days, unfortunately. 49, what did I I'd say? You said 29. I oh, like...
0: All right. <laughs> sorry That's about good. that. That's okay. It's a bit faster than uh...
1: Yeah. That's okay. No, I wished it was 20. There were times when I wished it was 29 days. No, but uh, 49 days. I think, what, what did I learn? Um, I think, well, one of the really interesting things that they tell you when you leave Lagomera, when you first set out... Uh, they say it's really, really simple. All you need to do is eat, sleep, row and repeat. And somebody said to and somebody who'd already rowed the ocean added when we were on the quayside, they said, and be kind. So I think one of the main things, particularly when you're in a team is, is whether that's business or adventure is, is acknowledging other people, um, particularly in such a thing like uh, uh, an ocean row, you've got to. um you can't do it alone so uh, you've got to respect those people and and tune into how they're feeling
0: right so uh, prior to rowing you weren't you didn't do that are you saying you weren't as tuned in to how your team and people around you were feeling so you, you or did you just learn it on a whole different level
1: no i've done some i see it's, it's really interesting i mean we I played rugby competitively for 20 years, which is a team sport. Um, and then a friend of mine wrote me into doing triathlon and I ended up doing Ironman. And I I have to admit, I enjoyed the training more than I enjoyed competing because I realised then that I'm not a, I'm not a, an individual sports person. I'm very much a small team player. Um, so I think that's always, that's evolved over time. Um, and I think what happens is is over time you also realise the more events and and, and and adventures and also business challenges that you have, you realise where you're probably strong and where you're less strong and where you need to um, where you just need to learn from things that you may have may have picked up previously.
0: So is that why the business environment suits you so well? Because it is a team sport. You, you know, you're not a lone range if you're growing and scaling um a company, an organization?
1: I think um I think current business at the moment, my current business is very small, you know, there's only three or four of us. Um in the past, the other businesses we had were slightly larger, uh, or fair bit larger. But yeah, I like I I really like getting in amongst it and i like i like being part of something that's that feels like that's got energy and it feels like it's going somewhere Mm -hmm. um i don't um yeah i i I mean as part of that i think you probably is if you're taking a lead in that you, you need to be quite forceful but in the same breath you also need to you need to consider everyone else's that's around you um to get to where you want to get to
0: So tell me more about growing and selling to technology companies. How did you get involved in that? I'm I'm particularly interested in some of your biggest challenges. So, you know, if you took it, what's the biggest challenge when you started? The biggest challenge when you were growing? The biggest challenge when you're scaling? The biggest challenge when you're exiting? That would be really useful to understand that.
1: Plenty of of challenges. That's a a 24-hour podcast, Janice. No, Uh, (laughs) no. Well, um, my, my first the first tech business I got involved in, um, I actually joined as a commission only salesperson. And then I ended up having a um, let's call it a difference of opinion with the the MD, which which resulted in me um effectively gambling my house to buy the major share of the company. Um, I learned I learned very early on that I couldn't be. I, I wanted to be as accommodating as as friendly as possible, but I realised that um, that we needed a lot more guidance and structure in terms of clarity and output. Um, so that was a very very uh, that was a clear early learning. Um, I had an unfortunate I inherited a, a couple of uh, members of staff that weren't really playing ball. Um, that was a learning curve, obviously having to having to deal deal with 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 those. Um, And I think one of the things that um, I've learned and somebody taught me is that you, you kind of, there's no point in getting frustrated and putting up with stuff. I think you, somebody said to it really quite eloquently once uh, a long time ago, they said, you deserve what you tolerate. And I don't mean that you need to be a taskmaster, but if you want to set out your stall, if if you need to make sure that you are the person you're at least yourself are adhering to the sort of standards that you want um you know you can't you can't say one thing and operate in a different way so i think i think um being a and 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 if you if if it's not going how you want it to go you've you've got to say it otherwise people quite rightly kind of accept that that's that's okay you know, and I think the, that's that's one thing that was that was a definite, definite learning in, in the first business that I was involved in.
0: What about the second business, you know, exiting that? What was the what led to that?
1: Well, we were a, we were a, um, we were a very fast growing software business. We were a reseller of a, we were a reseller of a, 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 a another product, but we had quite a lot of intellectual property of our own. And it was kind of it was probably going to happen anyway. It was a it was a sort of acquisition from them that was that was highly likely to to, to happen anyway. Um, I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about the sorts of things that the acquiring business would be interested in. Um, some of the things that we'd obviously already considered, and some of the other things that perhaps we we hadn't considered. Um, they they took you know it was quite clear to me that. Yes, we were growing, but very interested in the process and the people that we had in our organisation um, and the ease that they could integrate that into their company.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I wonder, having you know been at the front and leading um, companies and organisations, when that ends and you're you think kind of what next? This happens to a lot of founders. Um, you, you're so in in it and then you're out of it surely there's quite a a personal transition that you need to do I mean people are used to seeing you at home again and they didn't before you know how was that for you horrific yeah Uh,
1: yeah absolutely I mean I I don't mind sharing with it um I mean I left I left school and I left home at 16 so I'd only ever worked flat out really really hard um and then you're presented with a, you're presented in a situation where somebody gives you what for me um is a life-changing amount of money for something that you've worked so hard for um and then for the, about the first month or so i would i found myself just in a bit of a daze you know kind of happy uh in a daze um probably months 2 through to months 4 um were horrendous just in a real sense of a lack of purpose and um you know i found myself in a coffee shop at 10 o'clock on a monday or a tuesday morning scratching the head wondering what i'm going to do um and i've actually spoke to other founders who have done that as well and it's 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 actually pretty um it's really it's really really tough actually it's and it's if, if in the if that situation presented itself again I think that's definitely something that I would, or if if anyone was thinking, you know, moving forward. And I've spoken to a number of people that said, yeah, I'd have plenty of things to do. It's not always that way. It's not always that way. Um, and I was, I would, I'd, I say, I was properly borderline depressed. So mm-hmm. months two to four or five. Um, and what um, I had the slight, slight buffer in the fact that we sold a business in 2012 and it was um and one of my one of my treats to myself was that I I, I spent probably a month going backwards and forwards to London buying myself tickets to the Olympics <laughs> <laughs> so that was my treat
0: yeah, yeah 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 I think this is interesting that you know it's almost like pe- there's lots of people that retire and they say oh well I'll I've got lots of things to do but it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to do it (laughs) you know my whole house needs rebuilding but do I really want to do I've got lots of things on my, my list and I would imagine for especially for founders and you we're we're moving towards exiting you want to get the highest value and you're so and all of a sudden it stops I would imagine it's quite typical to go through this kind of um depression um uh very much like a death you have to kind of mourn the loss of it and find your way back out of it and find um purpose again i i would imagine that a lot of people experience that when something that they've loved and grown has has been taken away even if it's their their um they're willingly kind of like selling it and everything
1: Oh yeah I totally i i can i can totally relate to the morning feeling as well mm. because it, it's um it's kind of your thing that you've built and you've nurtured and you've developed um but i the other thing that i i also realize as well and perhaps I didn't realize it until uh, a fair bit of time afterwards is that life's about chapters um and i think i think there's chapters when we can, um, you know, I don't know, there's chapters when we're in our, when we're growing up, there's chapters in our our teens, maybe there's chapters in certain stages of work, exiting might be one of them. There's chapters when we have children. And, and I, I, I think, I think I've started to think a lot more about life in chapters. And I think, I think instead of, if I reflect on it now, instead of thinking oh what do i do next i think there's a there'd be a sense of balance there that say okay so that's the end of that chapter okay let's not try and mourn it too much but let's get closure on it and now let's think about what the next chapter and excitement may look and feel like
0: yeah 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 i love that um reframing it in in that way um, rather than living in the in the darkness of of it all yeah using it as leverage to to move forward um i 'm really interested kind of switching back to sales because I know you know you 've got tons of experience in in sales, but you know sales is related to business and business growth, so it 's great that we 've kind of talked about your your unique experience there as well but um i'm I know I have your book
1: oh wow oh wow, <laughs> thank you.
0: So yeah, I've started reading, I only only got it um last last week. So yeah, I'm kind of working through it. So you know, I know that you know you you talk about the uh four um four pillars and so let's just start first of all in terms of the strategies that you use to optimize your sales team. You wouldn't have been able to have sold companies unless you kind of worked through many of those those pillars that you've put in in the books and optimize your sales and sales team so tell me more about that
1: i think um one of the things i'm very um one of one of the things that i quite often get asked if i'm if i'm uh speaking with a client or i'm speaking at an event uh, or somebody would approach you and they'd say, "Oh, Matt, I've got a real issue with this, or I've got an issue with that in the sales." And my typical response is, um, "Is well, okay. Well, what's in the playbook? What 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 does the playbook say?" And people look at you blankly when you you refer to a playbook, and and to me, um, you know, it's and we all see things and consume things in different ways and if unless things are documented I can try and describe something to you Janice and with the best my best will in the world I may not describe it in the way that you interpret it so for me it's about distilling those thoughts it's a bit dull at times but it's documenting it's structuring it and it's actually bringing it into a living and breathing thing if that makes sense and the The simplest way I can describe that is um, I stumbled into sales when I was about 20, uh, 21, and it was really, really quite simple. I didn't have any qualifications. I still don't, by the way. Um, And um, so sales offered an opportunity for me to earn more money. And I stumbled into sales and worked for a life insurance company, and it was commission only. So it was pretty hard yards. We did about 200 cold calls a day. But, and here's the point, it came with eight weeks of training. Now, that, okay, I appreciate that was quite some time ago, but a, it was a commission-only role, um, and it came with eight weeks of training. So at the beginning, there was an, an intake of 80. And at the end of the eight weeks, there was an outtake of eight So a lot of people quit, a lot of people didn't make it, and and so on and so forth. But what happened is, and, and somebody's obviously done the maths, but what happened is at the end of that process, those eight that went out into the field, you know, they had the playbook, they had the binder, they had the collateral, they almost had the cap and the badge and everything else to go with it. But if you were to sit in a meeting with your manager at the time, they would be very confident that you would be able to articulate the proposition, be able to hand the, handle the objections in all in exactly the same way that somebody else in another town or another county or even you know somewhere else further afield would do, and to me that's the value of laying the foundation for something that you can build upon. Because you know once you've done it, once you can iterate it and build it. And then when net new recruits come into the organisation, it's a much, much faster faster method of onboarding.
0: When I went um, started in sales, I mean, I didn't have eight weeks of, of training, but probably a good four weeks. Um, after a a fashion we got taken over by I was in financial services so very kind of similar in environment and I remember you know I had to get in on a Tuesday eight o'clock cold calling and seven o'clock at night on a Tuesday hated Tuesdays um, because that was early and late um, cold calling and um, yeah we all had the playbook and the process I wonder if that would work now, you know, because so much have changed. At that point, we had all the information and we would ask the questions and the questions were leading people to our solution. And that's how it was designed, whereas now buyers have all the information not only internally what's important to them but you know they do so much research they're already 70 percent through the sales process often before they're willing to have a conversation with a real live salesperson and um so I wonder how much of that would work now because the environment's changed so much uh
1: well my simple answer to that is all of it and the reason, I, the reason I say that is because, and I agree with you about the amount of consumption prior to a salesperson entering the conversation, but the reason I would say to that and probably even reinforce it now is they've gone 70% down the process before they've picked the phone up. You absolutely have to be tick top Now, at that point moving forward, otherwise you're going to drop a ball. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's absolutely critical Um, But I think what um, and I spend a lot of time with with people thinking about talking about process and sales, what's the sales flow and all those sorts of things. But I think, you know, if 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 at 70 percent of the process, the salesperson enters the room, they have to be top tip top. They have to know everything in the playbook. They have to be really, really good at what they've got to do. And then the other thing they've got to do is they've got to be exceptional at doing their discovery. Because for me, that's where it kind of starts or potentially ends for the salesperson. So I think think that's the most, for me, that's the most important part.
0: So if they're 70% through the process... The buyer's gone way past discovery. The salesperson, it's relatively new, and do if they start at discovery at that point, are they pulling the buyer back, or are they doing the buyer a service? So they're thinking, okay, I've been on your website, I've watched your demo. You know, I I like, I know enough about your product to invite you into the conversation. And then the salesperson comes in and they start collecting data. How does the buyer feel about that when they're thinking, you know, I've gone way past that. You're on catch up.
1: OK, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that from a I wouldn't say that from a data collect data capture perspective. Um, you know, one of the first things you would, you 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 would understand with a you know, with with that discovery process is how much research have you done? As a salesperson, before you've even picked up the phone, set the meeting up, or whatever, so you absolutely need to be comp- at, at, at least where they are in their thought process. But what I think when I when I talk about the discovery in terms of I, I'm I'm thinking very much more about the physical questions and the tactics that you would do there to reinforce the the, the, the thought process that the client's going through. Um, they've obviously collated more than just your information they've collated information from a whole raft of other sources as well so part of that discovery process in my eyes is actually dissecting that and almost not in a uh, in a in a structured consultative way challenge where they've got to where they've got their thought process to up to now and then it's actually actually having, a, uh, having a, 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 say, much more of a consultative conversation with them to understand where they are, understand where they're trying to get to. And then it's probably a little bit more of a meeting of minds and saying, OK, so I understand where you are. You understand. Now, what I need to do is I now need to understand a little bit more about maybe what your process is going to be moving forward, who's going to be involved what's their what's their involvement in this you know, and start thinking about taking them towards their ideal outcome as much as anything else as well so it's it's I think it's a lot more than just i don't you would never want to be playing catch up because you look you basically look an ass
0: yeah so. yeah yeah, yeah,
1: but so, it amazes me it amazes me how often um there's an awful lot of organizations that I meet, and they've still got that sales and marketing you know um uh, um what's the word divide I would say sometimes mm-hmm. you know and I was and 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 I'm horrified so I think if if you are really up against if if sales and marketing aren't working in harmony then you've got real issues so you know that that goes that goes both ways you know that's you know that means to me that means the 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 marketing um briefing Uh, digesting information from sales in the end um it it means then briefing sales on 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 what's coming up what's the what's the the campaign strategies what's the information that's going out into the public domain how we're presenting ourselves and articulating it in our marketing activities and it's for the salespeople to actually maintain a, a bloody good interest in that and actually be tip top and completely up to speed as to what's going on in that activity so that it genuinely is a joined up operation yeah. i've seen too many times when it's oh well, well we've got you know we're, you're on the phone now so let's and it's like no it, it has to be a seamless operation
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, customers are gathering information from multi uh, channels and the um, the decision making team is often more than one person. And some of them are completely unknown to you. Um, uh, So that discovery process is is really important just to find out, as you say, where the customer is in their decision and who's involved in in that decision. So I absolutely um, get that. So tell me more. And I think, sorry, yeah, just add to that.
1: And I think crafting the questions, crafting the questions, whereby you know, I mean, we we can all look at past, you know, uh, methodologies and and uh, uh, abbreviations in terms of qualification tools and 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 scales. But ultimately, um, we want to be um, clever and tactical in our questioning and our questioning skills so that instead of asking linear binary questions we're asking high quality questions that we know are going to give us you know maybe two or three threads of information as opposed to just a single single binary thread i mean we've all been in situations before where a call's not gone well we ask a the question they give us an answer we ask a the question they give us an answer we ask a question um, and it's and nobody's going anywhere and they feel frustrated and 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 everyone wants to get off the phone as quickly as possible and but conversely if you've put together well thought through well crafted questions then what happens? And, and where you're actively looking for two three or even four snippets of information we've been in there where it's a good question um and sometimes and and you've 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 so you've come up with a good question and a client's You don't have to do anything other than take notes for the next two minutes because the clients become a lot more forthcoming with the information because you've given them a good because you've given them a great, you know, probing, um, probing output.
0: Yeah. Is it Einstein that said if I had a minute to solve a problem that I'd take, you know. 59 minutes to work out the questions.
1: Yeah, <laughs> then, I, I don't know. But yeah, yeah Someone said
0: that, you know.
1: Yeah, I spent a, a, a lot of time mapping what good questions would be at various stages.
0: Yeah. My mentor um, said to me, uh, I've got several mentors, but you know, like said to me, there's only three questions. Have you heard that before? You only ever ask three questions, not in sales, but in life. And if you craft those three questions really well, then you get all the information you want and and especially in in sales traditionally it's like they you know as you say you've got this kind of binary ask a question get an answer ask a question and everyone's bored of it and 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 buyers know where, where you're you're leading them them to but if you can hone it down to only three really well I call them strategic open questions but they're they're personalized to who you're on the phone with or who you're in front of three questions should be able to get you everything that you need if you've structured them well
1: yeah they definitely open up the uh, the vast majority of the of the opportunity or conversation
0: yeah because nowadays no one has time you know a, a 30 minute call is now down to you're lucky if you get 10 minutes <laughs> you know so you've got to be really clever with with people's um times and plan it well um as you say all right, so and I think also
1: just on yeah. the, on the yeah, time no. on the time perspective as well um, i've i've been I've been to meetings before in the past, and um, I was in a meeting with a client in London, and um, I was doing some work with the sales team and um, and the CEO said to me, "Oh, I said, we've got a pitch coming in for a new website. Um, do you want to sit in on it?" and I said, "Yeah, no worries me." <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. If you value my input and, I'm, and it's useful to you, I'll do it. Um, and, and it was, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I knew because I'd been there um, that the CEO had an hour. And I looked at my watch 44 minutes in to the, to the meeting. Um, and the person responsible for talking about the website was still talking about their company and their product, you know. And then it got towards the time. So they didn't ask quite how I didn't ask how long they had in the meeting. Um, And, uh, yeah, so they had they had 16 minutes to uh, to rush through. Needless to say, they didn't get the business. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I think simple things. And I think that's the sort those are the sorts of things sometimes that we 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 learn because we're taught. And sometimes, sadly, we learn because we copped it up a little bit before in the past. And I think, well, I won't make that mistake again. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, there's a colleague of mine, and she gives her clients these T-shirts, and it's written upside down. It's not about you. So when you look down, you can read it. So it's back to front to everyone. It's not about you. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Which is brilliant. All right, so I'm going to change this up a little bit. If you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you?
1: Well, apart from the obvious, being follically challenged and being a, a, a baseball cap, um, I think one of the things that... Um, I've never been a huge music fan. I don't know why. I mean, I like music, but I don't, I don't, I'm not one of these people that always, always got music on. Uh, one of the things that I, I realise when we were rowing and i actually wrote a blog about it when we came back was i didn't realize quite how much music impacted my mood so i would i would probably i would definitely take um take a playlist uh of of uh, a, an extended playlist of, of of relatively upbeat music having said that as happened on the atlantic row it's a long long time and um even then you're repeating the same old stuff for quite a long time. So it depends on how long I'm gonna be stuck on this <laughs> desert island, to be honest with you, Janice.
0: <laughs> but that's interesting uh to to um how music can can affect your mu- mood mood. Um I think that's quite quite interesting in in how we get through challenges in our lives and how we can use pull on these tools to help to rebalance the situation we're in at the moment or to take us out of that the situation we're in at the moment
1: well there's um i'll give you two or three examples of um of some some quite interesting tune playlists from the atlantic one of my son my, my son my son i gave my son the task of building my playlist for the row. And he didn't want me to do the row. And yeah. um, there's a song. Um, I think he's an Australian singer, and um, and I had it on Shuffle and the fir- and it came so there's an Australian singer called Dean Dean Lewis, I think. And um on the first night it came on, and it's a song called How Do I Say Goodbye? And it was like, oh man. Oh
0: gosh. So that
1: wasn't that wasn't particularly helpful. But um one of the other um, you know, there was a there's another one, there was a song from the script that I listened to, If You Can See Me Now. Uh, I lost my dad during lockdown, so that's a really, that was a quiet it was, it was you know, at times it's up, sometimes it's down. And then there's another one I had, which was an Eminem song, and I can't remember, I don't know the name of it. Um, and it's it starts with the line, um, or relatively early on in the first line, and it's going back to the point that you made about your experiences and chat, or we spoke about chapters. Yeah. I realised I had to go to that place in order to get to this place
0: right I, love I can't that. remember the
1: name of the song but it's it's.
0: that uh, is a great quote as well yeah. isn't it you know I, oh, totally I, yeah I might put totally. that in my office actually yeah, yeah. so my, my last very last one is what are the secrets to a successful life then
1: oh, I don't know answers on a postcard no um, I once when I I try not to, and I am not I am not great at it, but I try not to take myself that seriously. Um I think you need to laugh a lot. Um yeah, and, and I think I think I think the older I've got as well, I've got a little bit more um philosophical. And I think the more give more if you give more than you take then you've got a feeling of of you know i'm 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 being a decent human here and i don't think that's a bad place to i don't think that's a bad place to be because i think mentally and you'd argue spiritually that's 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 a nice place to nice place to be and i think the other the other thing as well and i learned this from from reading um uh, jordan peterson's book um stop and it is judge yourself by the person you were yesterday not by the person not by someone else today
0: mm, Interesting. so I, yeah. I
1: i think i i think we all particularly we've got too much in our faces these days and i think what we do is we're all very um particularly with social media it's like i don't know if it's jealousy or oh, i wish i wish i wish i wish you know all this fear of missing out and all that sort of stuff and I think if we sit back and go, Do you know what, I actually made some progress today. So I'm better off than I was yesterday, and I'm probably a better person than I was yesterday. As opposed to comparing ourselves over here, yeah. looking at ourselves, I think that's not a bad place to kind of to, to 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 keep your head.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that, and it still it makes me think of what you said when you were stepping onto the boat. Be kind.
1: Oh, totally. I just. I don't know. I don't know whether that's I don't know whether a 20 year old Matt Garman would say that. Mm. Um, but definitely a um, 50 something Matt Garman says that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. That's all I need to hear. Matt Garman. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. I've learned more about you and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.